0: Good morning, good morning. Uh I uh text uh Derek and uh, Kanan earlier this week after the news of DMX um, passing and that that one hurt and uh he actually put it on our pre one of his songs on our uh, pre-service and I appreciated that. Uh, that was my childhood. DMX was my that's my childhood and so when we see people like that, uh, whether it be Kobe or somebody who's passing, kind of takes a piece of us, right? Um, but uh, I'm going to continue. If, if you don't know me, uh, my name is uh, Eric. I'm one of the pastors here, uh, and uh, I started two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, started a, a, a series in, um, in First Peter. And so what we're going to do, uh, we're going to walk through First Peter. Uh, a book that uh, is dear to my heart because it was the first book when I became, when I started doing ministry, the first book that I walked all the way through. And so I'm encouraged, I'm excited to, to do that again. Um, let's pray, and then we'll we'll jump in. God, uh, grateful that you love us, and you gave us your holy and precious word. It, your word it just calls us back to who we are. God, thank you for giving, leaving us a, a road map, a direction, <laughs> encouragement. Uh, thank you for your word that pierces our heart and convicts us and, and brings us back to you and reminds us who we are, God. And I pray that that's exactly what your word does for us this morning that it just reminds us of who we are. And then for those who don't know you, that it would just give those who don't know you uh, a picture, a glimpse of your beauty, a glimpse of what uh, the Christian's been called to, and maybe some of the negative and wrong things that, that come out in the news or come out from people who don't know, it would be, um, it would be fixed in their minds. Um, fixed in their minds, not for our sake and our reputation, but fixed in their minds so that they can see that you are a good God. We're the ones that are, are bad. <laughs> We're the ones that mess up. And so, God, I pray that your word would do what it does, and it would capture us. And it would draw our attention to you, and that we would find ourselves worshiping you and not caring who it is up here who's speaking, but it would just be glorifying you and worshiping you. Not worrying about the person on their right or the left. You would just be our attention right now. Ask for that to happen. I ask for your spirit to do that work. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in, in way of review, uh, we, we were looking at Peter, and we kind of looked at Peter himself, and we said, hey, what, what shaped this guy to write this letter? What, what are the, some of the things that were uh, a part of his life that kind of shaped who he is, and now he's writing to these uh, Gentile believers, Jews and Gentiles, mostly Gentile believers, uh, that, um, that are suffering? Uh, and, and, I, and I mentioned a couple weeks ago that uh, ma- many scholars, some of the scholars may connect this to the suffering and persecution of the emperor Nero at that time. And, and Nero was, this was blatant persecution. This was, uh, you know, taking them publicly, publicly burning them, um, a- a publicly to shame them. Um, but even if this wasn't, why Peter was writing during this time. This may not line up uh, with, with Nero's reign and his persecution of Christians. Either way, I, there is persecution going on. And I, and I said a couple weeks ago that that it will be way more relatable if it wasn't Nero's res, uh, persecution that he's responding to. It would be way more relatable. Uh, For us here uh, at at Pillar Church, at least. Uh, And and what I believe is probably the more common persecution that we see that Peter is dealing with here. Um, In in, in fact, in verse six, it kind of gives us an idea that this may not be people being burned at the stake uh, here. He, He says, you rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials. Various trials. So, so what kind of trials are, are they facing right now? Uh, they, they're, they're facing uh, persecution from their own family members. Uh, these are Gentiles. that were worshiping idols, uh, statues in their house that was customary. They wake up at a certain time. They do certain things. And the whole family gathers together and worship whatever this, this God is. And now all of a sudden... You got this one 15-year-old decide, was going past the market and heard this guy, Peter, preaching. And all of a sudden, he's, he, he knows that he, the only person that is worthy to worship is Jesus Christ. And so now the dad in the home is disowning this 15-year-old or whoever this is. So that type of persecution. Uh, maybe now at... at the, the job that the person was working at, he, he was doing, they were doing something immoral, but, but now, after becoming a Christian, now he can't do that anymore, and he loses his job. This is the type of persecution that many of them are facing now. Uh, they're facing it so much, in fact, we see it in Acts, that they, because of the persecution, and it was physical persecution also, because we, 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 we saw that Stephen... Um, just because he called them out for being um, um, being the ones that that killed Christ, he called them out. They literally stoned Stephen, and that was part of the dispersion, the 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 the, the scattering of Christians everywhere. And, and he even starts he, he starts a letter out. He says, "Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those chosen, living as exiles, dispersed abroad." It happened in Acts. This is, this is part of what Peter knows. He was in, he was there. He was part of the first century church and, and he watched this scattering. In fact, Peter and John, when, when they were, um, when they healed a man, um, they threatened Peter and John and said, you gotta stop talking about Christ. And what do you know? Find Peter and John <laughs> in the streets preaching about Christ again. And he said, What 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 are you doing? We told you to stop talking about Christ. So we see this persecution. So whether it be physical suffering or or or, a shunning of a boss or shunning of a family or or a loved one, these these they don't even have home, some of them don't even have homes anymore because legally the patriarch or the family could just dismiss them. The, The custom was like, yeah. He's not following our orders anymore. She's not following our orders anymore. So they're dispersed. They're scattered. they got to find a place to live. They find jobs. And if you remember in in, in first century church in Acts, they started sharing each other's goods. Remember, they were selling everything, and they started sharing. This is part of what's going on. They had to share you know everything that they were accustomed to doing at the beginning now is you know they can't do it so they they're just sharing their goods they're coming together and they're being the church right <laughs> they're being the church and, and and so that's what shaped Peter in, in writing this that's what that that's who he's writing to right now so so as we look at this this is who he's writing to and so what is this how, how does this relate to us and I, I think there's some connections that you've already made, but but let me kind of hone it down to, to what I where God I felt leading me as I as I prepared this. He says um, a few things. Um, these pressures that came with their faith may have not seemed worth it. It may not seem worth it like like possibly they, they're questioning and asking the question, is this Christianity worth it? Sounds like a question we ask, right? Right? Is it worth it? Uh, is this real, or did I misunderstand the experience I had? This is—they're a few years down, and, and they're, they're they're suffering. It's not getting better; it's getting worse, right? So so they they may be asking the question: Is this real? Did we misunderstand the experience? Did I really, did I really trust Jesus? And what does this mean? Maybe this was just an emotional experience because everybody was doing it and and I kind of just fell into it and I just fell into it. Maybe I got carried away with this Jesus thing. This, because this, this is not getting better. Have you been there in your faith? Are you there right now? I'm talking to a few people right now. <laughs> They're right there, right now. Drugged themselves to, to church this morning and said, I, I guess I'll give it another try. So, so how do you encourage you? How do you encourage me? How do you encourage these people who may be asking that question? Do You say, hey, shake it off. That's what I tell my baseball team. Hey, shake it off. I tell my kids that all the time. Shake it off. Keep pressing on. Pick yourself up and keep fighting. I say that all the time. I I, I may say that to my teammates or, 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 or you know my son. Um, I say you can do it. Is is this how you encourage it? This is how Peter is going to encourage him. Maybe uh, a few stories that that, that I think are, are, would be helpful. It doesn't connect perfectly, but uh, I had a, a teenager come to me. Uh, this is recent, and. Um, he said that he was having these negative thoughts in the midst of what he was doing, the, the, the sport that he was playing. He, he was having these weird negative thoughts in the midst of something he's done his whole life. He's caught, he's thrown, and, he was ha- and they were attacking him. And he's a believer. This is a believer coming to me, young teenager. And he said, can you pray for me? And I, and I prayed for him. And then I can remember the next time he was about to execute or, or go do that thing, I can remember realizing, oh, shoot, I hadn't talked to him since I prayed for him a couple days ago. So I went to him, and, and, and this is what I, I started. I just started. I didn't even, like, warn him what I was going to do. I said, uh, I need you to thank Jesus every single time a negative thought comes up in your mind. I said, I said, that is the voice of the enemy. So I hadn't even talked to him about that before. I just prayed for him, and it was over. Uh, But now I'm like, hey, he he needs a weapon. He needs a attack. Uh, He he needs a weapon to fight with. And I said, speak his name out loud. Speak Jesus' name out loud. And I said, you are a child of God. And I said, the devil wants to take your peace. Don't let him have it. Speak his name loud speak victory over those negative thoughts. And it was amazing. I'm not talking about the outcome of the prayer. I'm talking about what I visually saw in his face. It went from panic to complete peace. I was like, I visually saw a miracle right right here where his whole demeanor, his whole body calmed down when he realized reality. This is reality. This is truth. He's a believer. The one that is in him is greater than the one who is in the world. In that moment, he just became, he just was being Christian. (laughs) He was just being a Christian in that moment. I have another story. Uh, My daughter, uh, one of my daughters came in uh, to our room, and this happened maybe a year ago, And it was the same type of thing. A lot of negative things, a lot of lies. And as she came to the room, and as we listened, me and my wife listened to her talk, we realized, no, she doesn't have in her own power to be able to talk that negatively. Like, that was, that's pretty skilled negative talk right there. Once again, without warning, I just started praying over. I started speaking truth. to her. I said, I, I, without explaining, I said, I said, uh, start saying thank you, Jesus, for creating me and making me exactly how you wanted me. I said, I said thank him for uniquely making you every piece and every part of your body. I said, start thanking God for the victory that you have in Christ. And once again, and this was even more overwhelming, and, and I knew Linda felt it also. It was, it went from panic in the room to total peace. It was, it was like we felt it, like we felt it, and, and, and we saw it in her face. It was a miracle. It was amazing. What happened? We just asked her to be a Christian. <laughs> we asked her, hey. Remember truth right now. Rem- just remember truth. Can you remember truth right now? Let's talk about truth right now. Let's see what happens. Miracles happen when we just talk about it. That's why that, that, that verse, there, there's a verse that says, if you have any encouragement <laughs> being united with Christ, like, let's talk about that. Come together with psalms and spiritual hy- like, sp- words of encouragement talk about it. Why? Because truth opens our eyes to God and the reality of being a Christian. I probably got 10 more of those, but I've seen it happen in my life. I'm just driving down the street, and I don't even know how to pray, and I just started saying, Jesus, Jesus, and I can sense his presence and his peace that's just truth when I'm that, that's my point my point is that in every case it was just me asking them to be Christians you have a, a living hope that 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 you, we need to pray and act like we have this living hope basically what is actually real this is more real than the the persecution you are experiencing God's love for you is more real than the lies that you hear. God's sovereign power and commitment to keeping you is more real than the enemy's lies you are listening to. The same thing with Peter trying to encourage Christians in the midst of persecution. Peter, Hey guys, remember the blood covenant. We talked about that last, uh, uh two weeks ago. Uh, re- where am I? Uh, remember the blood covenant. You made when you first believed that that is still in full effect as a believer. Yes, it, you know, this, this happened several years ago when Peter preached the gospel and they came to Christ. Like that, still, that reality is still there. So may everything good from God be yours. We see that in, in, in 1 Peter. I never told y'all. First, we're in 1 Peter 1. He said, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. And, and we, we, we finished last week um, just saying that over and over. May everything that, that, that is for you, and that is from God, take it all, take every bit of it. That's where we finished last week. May grace and peace be multiplied to you because of the blood covenant. You see that in verse three or two, that blood covenant is still there for you. That's how Peter responds. And then in verse three, this is what he says. Starts off, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 4, And into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Guys, Peter, how do you encourage someone? How do do I encourage you? How do I encourage you in the midst of asking that question, is this worth it? Is this real? Did I have an emotional experience? Because this doesn't feel worth it. Peter starts off saying, Bless be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, Worthy is our God. Bless his name. He is worthy of praise. This is not just any God that he is saying is worthy. He's saying, The God and Father of our Lord and Jesus Christ that you gave your life to. Not, not just God, like, like he wants to make sure that connection is there. Which God? The God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? He is not just breaking out into worship in, in a generic, ambiguous God, but blessed be God, our Father, Lord Jesus Christ. This is Peter in full-out excitement and worship. Peter knows uh, what what threats look like, right? He knows what threats look like. He was threatened, him him and John. He saw Stephen get stoned to death. He knows threats carried out. He saw Jesus die. He knows what persecution looks like. He knows what it looks like And his response is, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, because of his great mercy. Because of his great, great mercy. At this point, we begin to realize how blessed we are. He said, because of great mercy. This has all to do with God right now. Early on, he said, It was uh, verse two, it says, according to the foreknowledge of God. And now we realize that Peter is, is going to continue to press this in to encourage these saints because of God's mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is a mercy. This is a mercy from God. Uh, the story, uh, y'all probably heard it if you've been in church any time, the story of Nicodemus coming to to Jesus and saying, how do I be born again? Do I go back into my mother's womb? Like, I can't do this. Like, what are you talking about? How can someone be born when they're already old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into the mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, verily, verily, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. This is a mercy that is born of God, born of the Spirit. This is God's mercy on us. This is God's love and choosing of us because he cares for us. Where did it come from? It was a mercy from God that the Spirit came upon us into a living hope, into a living hope. There's another verse in, in uh, 1 John 13 that speaks to this. Children born not of natural descent, not of human decision or, or a husband's will, but born of God. This is a mercy from God. So who do we worship? Who do we say, blessed be the Father, God and Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ? This is the one we worship. He goes on into a living hope. Praise God for Easter, right? A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Why do we get so excited on Easter? We get so pumped. We dress up and we put flowers out. Resurrection, it hinges. Our faith hinges on this reality that not only did he die for us, but he rose that he rose to show that he defeated sin and death. The resurrection of Jesus proves that this is a living hope. It proves it. Our hope is living because Jesus resurrected. They came to the tomb to see Jesus' body because they, he had died. Because they thought of him as a, dead, as a dead Savior, but he was alive because God raised him to life. And our hope, our hope is living 1 Timothy 2.11 says, there is a he saying, if we died with him, we will also live with him. Easter is such a celebration for us because our faith is that God sent his son not to just die for us, but that he would live through us in faith and into an inheritance that is imperishable. So it doesn't perish. It, it doesn't spoil. Undefiled and unfading, and kept in heaven for you. This is this is sealed in uh, like a vault, like nobody's gonna touch it. This is a promise. This is a mercy of God to, to not only give you salvation here on earth, but to give you, to keep a reward. In heaven for you. And he says, this reward is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Like a new car looks good for a few years and then it starts to fade, right? He's saying, this reward, this inheritance is unfading. Every single time you look at it, you will be awed and amazed by it. It doesn't lose its. It, it, it's zeal and excitement. It doesn't lose it. It's not defiled by any other lesser things. It is kept in heaven for you and me. This is super encouraging for someone who doesn't even have a home right now, who are living as exiles in in, in Turkey, just spread out everywhere, doesn't, don't even have their... their their blood family with them anymore. They're spread out. This is good news. This is beautiful news that God, my father, has an inheritance for me, kept for me, because I lost my inheritance. My dad kicked me out of the house because I was worshiping Jesus. Where are we? Why do we Why do we doubt? Why do we cling on to this world? Why do we cling on to to somebody's uh, acceptance of us? (laughs) Why do we cling on to that? Because we forget our inheritance. We don't have a living hope. We don't remember that there is one in heaven with, with treasures, that is imperishable, undefiled, and uh, unfading. Beautiful treasure for us, and it's him. We lose perspective here on earth because we forget to be Christians. That was the reason I told you all the stories at the beginning. We just forget. We just forget for a moment that, oh, I'm a, oh, (laughs) he took that from me. They took that from me but I have a treasure in heaven where moth and rust will not take, will not defile it. Let's be Christians. That's the encouragement that Peter has. Remember that you have a living hope. You are being, verse 5, you are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You're being guarded. So he's keeping, he's keeping, in verse 4, an amazing inheritance for us. And then not only is he doing that, verse 5, he says, he's keeping you here on this earth as you suffer and as you face, trials and tribulations. He's keeping you now. That's the living hope now. Yes, you have an inheritance that you, that you long for, that you want to see and what you want to know and you can't wait to get to, but right now, he is with you now, and I'm keeping you, I'm guarding you. He says, you are being guarded by God's power through faith, this is the living hope that Christians have. We should be the most excited people here on this earth because God's power is keeping us. Not keeping us from, from suffering. He's keeping us because we have a living hope that is in, he- in heaven. We have an inheritance that he's keeping us. Listen, we don't doubt it is worth it because we're suffering. That's not the reason we doubt. It's not, oh, persecution's on us, oh, God must not be real. That's not the reason we doubt. Because I've seen many people or uh, uh, walk away from the faith that had everything, that had plenty. And, the, and, and if anything, I, th- I would think suffering would just reveal the faith that's there. So, we, we, we don't doubt and we don't ask ourselves, is it worth it because of suffering? But we, we doubt because we lose track of truth. We lose track of truth. And that our faith is a living faith. And the inheritance that we are waiting is imperishable, meaning it's in heaven when Jesus returns. Our experience, our experience for eternity will not spoil. The inheritance that Christians await never gets old, it just stays new every day, all day. And our living hope is like that right now. I, I thought of this, this may be good analogy, it may not, but just, just stay with me right now, all right? Imagine 10 miles, somebody has promised me 10 miles from here. 10 miles from here, there is a treasure that is unfading, unperishable, that it cannot be defiled, it is the most precious thing that you can imagine. It'll, it'll never go away. It is worth more than any amount of money, any, kind of ple- any amount of pleasure here on this earth is, is 10 miles from here. And on the first mile, I see thousands of sparkling pennies on the first mile. And I'm like, oh, shoot. And I'm like, nah, that's pennies. 10 miles away, he told me. And in the second mile, you see quarters, maybe. I don't know, nickels or whatever. Beautiful nickels. Thousands and thousands of of quarters that could be yours. You just stop. You just got to stop and get the score. And then you stop and you. Hang out, and you try to pack your car with as many quarters as possible. Then you go the next mile, and you're like, just thousands of $5 bills, just stacks and stacks. Then next mile, you see 20s, and you start, like, as you're going, you're like, put a few in here, put a few in here. Because I'm not sure about what he told me about the 10 miles away. I'm, I don't see it. You know? He told me about it, but I don't know about it. I, I, But I see this. I see this money right here. You go further, see some $100 bills, so thousands of $100 bills. And you stop again. And you just start filling your car up with these $100 bills. And then you may even see some gold, like gold bars that's worth way more than any of all this stuff. and and until you're on mile eight or nine. Guys, that's what's happening. That's what's happening when we doubt. We lose focus. We lose sight of the goal. We lose sight of, of Christianity. We're Christians. We don't need to be stopping at mile one, picking up pennies, Mile two, picking up quarters? There is nothing more valuable, there's more precious, no bigger, no precious prize than to be with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There shouldn't be any greater ambition for the Christian. I'm talking about the Christian. If you're a non-Christian, I get it. Get get everything you can because this is it. I get it. But if you're a Christian, Peter is right to encourage those who are suffering. Hey, hang in there. Hang in there. There is an inheritance that is coming. And there is a living hope that is going to keep you right now. At the 10th mile, there's a treasure that is supersedes all the first nine miles of your ride. It is far better, and it never loses value. It never fades, never gets old, never loses excitement and worth. On the 10th mile, it just keeps giving and giving. It's amazing. It far exceeds the money that you see in the first nine miles. We lose sight of where we are and where we're going and the gift that we have been given we begin to doubt our faith because we lose sight we forget that we are exiles, aliens, strangers on this earth our treasures and the world treasures are not the same what if you have no desire for this inheritance I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to answer this question, but I'm going to try. Because in in the midst of writing this sermon, I'm like, okay. There's still going to be like, okay, but I don't even desire it. I don't always desire this future hope. I'm not alone in that. What if you don't desire it? I I, want to try to... And I'm gonna ask God to help me with this, but give you something that I've I've I'm learning, I'm growing in. Because I I would say maybe the first 15 years, 10 years of my Christianity, I I never longed for heaven, really. Never longed for that inheritance. But I've I've caught glimpses of it in the last three or four years. I've I've caught glimpses, like, oh. Oh, that's what it feels like. That's what my grandmother was saying. That's what that sweet Miss English was talking about when she, as she was dying on her deathbed. That, she was like, I, couldn't, I can't, just can't wait to get to heaven. Can't wait. And I'm like, okay. And this is, this is the best. This is where i found myself for the last three or four years. The reason we don't long for something is that we have never, we've either never tasted it or we haven't tasted it lately. When you have been born again, God gives you sight that you haven't had before and you're aware of your sin like never before. So that same sight that he gave you, the day that he gave it to you, He'll give it to you again. But because of this sight, you're made aware, the, 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 the sight of your sin, your awareness of your sin. Now you have this vigor and you have this energy toward, to, to know Jesus. Why? Because he's given you sight to your own frailness and your own emptiness and your own inability to please him. That's a miracle, guys. That's, that, that, you don't just wake up and then you, you don't convince somebody that are a sinner and just pound it. That's not how you convince people they need Jesus. It is a mercy. It is not born of flesh. It is a grace that has been given by God. And when God gives this, he opens our eyes to our shortcomings and our need for Jesus. If you're a believer, what you taste daily is important for you to long for it. As you sit with him and allow him to be savior, he opens your eyes to a perspective of heaven and this living hope that you can't muster up on your own. You you come to your senses, kind of like the prodigal son, remember that? He's like eating pods from uh, from a pig pen. And he's like, he was craving it or he wanting those things. Like he went from that to coming to his senses. To coming. T- so what what do we do? This is, this sounds crazy, but we go to God for God. Got it? Go to God for God. God, I want to know you. God, I want to know you. Then start reading and expecting. God, I don't desire heaven. I want to desire heaven. I want to be a believer. I want to be a Christian. God, Whatever it takes, God, I want to know you. I want to yearn for you. I want to see you in every situation. Go to God for God. Because of Jesus, we can go to God to know God. When he died on the cross, when, when, when he said, it is finished, and he, he breathed his last breath, the veil was torn from top. The bottom if you don't know what that means, the access to God was opened because of Jesus. We go to God for God to know him. to get a taste for him, taste and see that the Lord is good, the psalms say. I talked about this earlier, Philippians, says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, (laughs) share this with me. Go to God for God. God, it is in those moments. I heard Pastor Canaan say this maybe last week or before. Of his salvation experience, it was, and I love to hear this in, in people's testimony. I love to hear that they said, Do whatever. <laughs> Do whatever. I, I let go. Do whatever you want. God, that, that's being a Christian. That is being that is living in your truth as a believer God this is your day this is not my day these are your kids you have given me this woman to care for you have given me this job this is these are these are your hands these are your feet this is your money in this bank account Guys, when we go to God, there's got to be a willingness to surrender and submit to whatever he has for you. We're picking up pennies and nickels and quarters along the road. That's why we can't see him. That's why we don't have this urge and this desire, this ambition for our living hope because we're stopping our car for some pennies. And saying, instead of saying, God, take it all. I want to know you. I want to see you. I want to have eyes to see and yearn for you, God. Let this be your prayer today. Let this, this living hope be a reality, not just for your future, but for your today. So, you, so as Christians, me and you, we start living differently we started living with our eyes fixed on Jesus and, and everything about us in the midst of our suffering is different. It's different. And people see Jesus all over us because we, we've given it all. We didn't say take it away. We didn't say take away the suffering. We said, God, I want to know you through the suffering. I want to know you through this trial. I want to know you through this confusion and uncertainty and unclear, uh, unclear time. That's being a Christian. That's truth. So you'd be living in doubt and you're living in, man, where's the joy in this Christianity? Maybe you're trying to hold on. Maybe you're stopping for pennies and quarters and nickels. Maybe maybe that's what you're doing. Let it all go and allow him to be God and, and Lord of your life. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the work it does in our hearts and minds. It would be really sad. Be really sad if I myself didn't live out in this truth that I just preached about, that would be sad. And God, so I'm asking that you would save me from such a folly, such a silly behavior that I would not seek to know you, to know this living hope, to to come to you, God. Who are you? I want to know you more. I want to know your will. I surrender all. I give you everything that I I am. That I would know this living hope that, that Peter is trying to encourage them with. I don't know it unless I know you. Unless I know if I've tasted and seen. If I've experienced your presence that's the only way. And so God, if the believers here, God, I pray for them right now that they would know this living hope. They would, they would go to you, God, for you, God, to know you more, to love you more, to, to have a desire for that inheritance, that is undefiled, unfading. God, give us that hope, God. We want to see you. We need eyes to see it, to feel it, to experience it. And even when we don't feel it and and experience it, God, we need you to keep us. (laughs) Your word said, you keep us. You keep an inheritance for us. And then by your power, you keep us. And so we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for Jesus. May he be glorified in us all today. Amen.